What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, before we talk to Jody and David, let's talk about the after party. Every Friday, Kimberly Johnson and I record a fourth podcast every week, but this one is a bit different from the usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows. The Friday After Party podcast is loaded with all the politics that you want, while also including uncensored, completely obscene conversations about sex, drugs, movies, television, our personal lives, all the crap we can't get away with on the free show. So please help support this podcast by subscribing to our Friday After Party podcast for just $10 per month, and you're also going to get two post-mortem shows every week included in that level of support. That's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com and now let the cartoons begin. Recorded live in the USA covering the whole wide world. Right on! This is the Bob Seska Show presented by bubblegenius.com. She ran out of the building and a street sweeper ran over her foot and severed her pinky toe. <laughs> Yeah, then after the ambulance left, I found the toe. So I put it in a Cracker Jack box, filled it with ice, and took off for the hospital. You ran? No, I jumped on the bus. I told the driver, I got a toe here, buddy. Step on it. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. Then, all of a sudden, this guy pulls out a gun. Well, I knew any delay's gonna cost her her pinky toe. So I got out of the seat, and I started walking towards him. He says, where do you think you're going, Cracker Jack? I says, well, I got a little prize for you, buddy. Knocked him out cold. How could you do that? Then everybody is screaming because the driver, he's passed out because of all the commotion. The bus is out of control. So I grab him by the collar. I take him out of the seat. I get behind the wheel. Now I'm driving the bus. Batman. Yeah, yeah, I am Batman. <laughs> then the mugger, he comes to and he starts choking me. So I'm fighting him off with one hand and I kept driving the bus with the other, you know? <laughs> then I managed to open up the door and I kicked him out the door, you know, with my foot, you know, at the next stop. You kept making all the stops? <laughs> well, people kept ringing the bell. If you vote for me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. The Bob Seska Show. Yeah, you know about that unity thing? I intend to keep making all the stops as long as the red hats keep ringing the bell. Does that make sense? It should. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, January 21, 2021. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day one 
of the Biden-Harris administration. How about that shit? 656 days until the 2022 midterms. And uh, holy shit, here they are. It's the goth ninjas. It is Jody Hamilton from the From the Bunker podcast, from dash dash bunkercom also from the Stephanie Miller Show at stephaniemiller.com and the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. It is your podcasting superstation at sexyliberal.com. Also, David T-Rex Ferguson from the T-Rex Report podcast, also from the music project called Astral Summer. That's astralsummer.bandcamp.com to get all of his fine, fine music. Oh, holy shit, Goth Ninjas. We are now in the post-Trump era. Thank fucking We're alive. God. Oh, my God. It's a, a day of jubilee, I think. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the great unclenching. The great unclenching. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, speaking of unclenching, one of my favorite things to imagine today... This is the thing that's, I'm, you know, I'm pumping this into my veins intravenously. As and John Jr. as the pretty new girl on the cell block? <laughs> that's right. I'm also, I'm imagining the depressed Donald Trump wandering around Mar-a-Lago in his bathrobe. Just sad. Sad. Stress eating. Melania already had her damn nightgown on when she got off the plane. Yeah, I noticed that. Did you see that? She was like, I'm in my caftan and sandals, y'all. Fuck off. I'm done. And yeah, Melania in her cabana wear or something. I don't know what the hell that was. But, uh, you know, one of the other things I'm enjoying are all the Bernie memes. Uh, Bernie. Oh, my God. Those are fucking fun. Those are hilarious. I hope yes. he's enjoying them because they're fucking funny. Oh, man. Someone did one for I'm me. I'm going to have to, like, take uh, Bernie off my, like, filters on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, for real. If like I've got like a thing in place that if people mention Bernie, I don't see their. Tweet. It was so on brand for Bernie. It really, it really was. was. It really was. Kind of sitting by himself. Of course, that was an illusion created by the social distancing that Bernie was just all alone sitting there. It was like he was in the worst possible seats at an NFL football <laughs> game, like way up in the nosebleeds by himself. There's so many great photoshops. You know, the, it's days like this. It's memes like that that make makes me really appreciate the internet. I'm like, thank you, internet. This is making me laugh the laugh of all laughs. There's one where he's in that final scene from Star Wars, you know, the the ceremony at the end where they get all the medals <laughs> and that Bernie's just sitting there looking grumpy with his mask and his mittens. My yeah. favorite is the guy carrying the podium with B- Bernie superimposed inside of the <laughs> speaker's podium. No shit. Someone made like an insurrectionist Photoshop with yes. instead yeah. of the podium, it's, it's Bernie. Beautiful. Oh my God. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know what? Before we uh, continue on talking about the inauguration and so on, I have a brief update from Buzz. Uh, his dad had to be taken to the hospital. Those are you following along. Buzz is in Mm. Kansas right now um, with his sick parents. And the good news is both Buzz and his wife have tested negative for COVID for a second time. So they are, knock on wood, they seem to be out of the woods as far as that goes. But then they had to take his dad to the hospital yesterday. But today I got an update from Buzz that his dad is doing much better now. And so things are starting to turn around. Buzz finally has workable Wi-Fi that he's using. It's the little things that sometimes help. Yeah. yeah. 
Whenever you uh, jump on someone else's Wi-Fi, like a neighbor's Wi-Fi, it used to be that you could just grab like the the signal that said Netgear or the signal that said Linksys. And usually, if it was one of those two things, there would be no password. But I'm so glad to hear that things are looking better for Buzz uh, today. What a a grueling, grueling chore that you know children have to do for their parents, and it's you know, our responsibility to do this as they get old. And but it never stops being difficult. As as much as we love our parents, it, it's you know it's always a challenge as far as that goes, especially uh, when they're uh, getting toward the end. And uh, of course, we're all rooting for Buzz and and Mrs. Buzz, and we're hoping uh, everything turns out okay and are able to return back to their normal lives in the not too distant future. Okay. So also I just there's some it's not political. Okay. But Dolly Parton just announced that her brother died of cancer this morning. Oh no. Oh, That's no. what a shame. It's just her birthday on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how horrible. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I just figured you guys would want to know and your listeners, even though they'll know by the time they listen to this because we are now in the past. Yes, that's right. Future uh, people. We're future just, people. We're just now We're announcing up. it to each other at this point. <laughs> yes, you know, but we just found out. What can we do? Right. So Joe you know, Biden. I don't really write fan letters to people, but I may actually send a handwritten condolence card to Dolly Parton. I'm I don't sure care she would it's appreciate just it. a tiny piece in a mountain of correspondence, but I just... I'm yeah. sure she would appreciate Brought that, honey. Brought me so much joy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she would appreciate it. She's she's a lovely lady. Uh, so Joe Biden sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. Uh, Kamala Harris took her oath of office yesterday, making her the first woman, first woman of color to serve as vice president. That just that hasn't fully sunk in yet. That, that's just I cried a, a like a baby. Thing. I was so uh, the like... The walk up Pennsylvania Avenue mm-hmm. was a roller coaster ride for me. Every time he headed off to the side to greet somebody, my, my I was just like, go, go, just waiting. Yeah, like, yeah. When he and Jill sat, kind of sagged into each other and hugged right before they crossed the threshold into mm-hmm. the White House, and then the door closed behind them. That was when I finally was just like, oh, okay, they're safely in the White House. <laughs> were you concerned that Al Roker was a sleeper cell? Was that what you were thinking? <laughs> you know, after, I mean, I we literally watched our people, of American citizens, sack and loot the Capitol mm-hmm. of the, I mean, to uh, not anything was possible. Yeah. I mean, I really was like, mm-hmm. I'm still nervous, but I'm not as nervous as I was because it's mm-hmm. just, thank God he's out. Well, there's a new layer of competence here. I mean, that's the one of the many things that we've forgotten over the last four years that usually, in a general sense, uh, the executive branch is well-managed, at the very least. Well, there's always mistakes because we're human beings and everyone makes mistakes. But for the most part, we have been lucky insofar as even some of the worst presidents, even under Richard Nixon, they were still able to get the trains to run on time, metaphorically. I mean, they were well, still they, able to do shit that people, is normal, right? They hired people who were experienced in the departments that they were being sent to run who were not actually adversarial to that department aims. It's not like, I mean, Joe Biden's not going to appoint some hog farmer turned billionaire from Iowa. It's Secretary of the Interior. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, I mean, and that was like a real thing that could have happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, I mean, but but I mean, Trump wasn't the only, excuse me, Donald wasn't the only one to put people that wanted to ruin those things. Ronald Reagan did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do not yeah. forget that he did that with the education secretary and, and a bunch of other cabinet positions. He put people in there to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems uh, cliche to say it now, but when you uh, hire a bunch of people who loathe government, who want to right. destroy government, who want to shrink it so small you can drown it in the bathtub, shocking when they don't know how to run 
government. And well, you know, we had a gigantic catastrophe. We saw what happened when yeah. they don't know what the hell they're doing. The paint by number things you do as a White House. They didn't do it, when it especially right. when it came to COVID-19. They mm-hmm. dropped the ball catastrophically. And, and it's again, it's it's nothing that's I mean, it's a difficult challenge. Make no mistake. But as far as the mm. process, the process is more or less paint by numbers. Here's A, B, C and D through Z in terms of what we do to prevent this thing. And if had if those things had been done, I mean, we're the United States. We defeated uh, Imperial Japan and Nazi Germany at the same fucking time. We right. can do this shit. We could have ended, ended this pandemic, at least here in the United States, uh, back in July. Last summer. Yeah. yeah last yeah. summer. Easily. Very, very if, if not before that. Or yeah. if I still do feel that had Hillary Clinton um, been elected, it may not have even gotten to this hemisphere. Mm-mm. No, absolutely not. And that's where we see the damage. We also saw the damage yesterday, the Trump mm-hmm. damage. We talk about this a lot. We talk about, oh, Trump's creating all this damage, 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 damage. We've been talking about that for four years now. And here we see some specific examples of what that actually means, what the word damage means in the context of the Trump presidency. And despite the fact that he was not there in person yesterday, his gigantic footprint was everywhere. In fact, I, I should say his dainty footprint was uh, everywhere. His lift <laughs> augmented fingerprints yeah. were on everything. <laughs> his lift augmented footprint was there. Because what did we see? We saw no people, no spectators yesterday. Right. There were no spectators. Why? COVID-19, which we could have eradicated had Trump been competent, and also the Trump insurrection that occurred and the security measures that were put into place because of that. And that's the damage. The Trump presidency gets chalked up this way, as far as I'm concerned. It gets chalked up with previous examples, previous dark chapters in American history. Slavery, the Civil War, the Great Depression, uh, Watergate, 9-11. These are days, these are events, these are catastrophes that left scars, that left aches and pains that never go away. It's like in Lord of the Rings where Frodo gets stabbed with the Morgul blade and it leaves a permanent wound on him that never quite heals. And that's, I think, what we have to deal with moving forward. These people shut the fuck up yesterday. The fact that Donald Trump no longer has his Twitter account, the fact that Donald Trump is no longer president has been a huge breath of fresh air. I mean, it's reduced the amount of disinformation online by like 70%. But... 74. Yeah, 74%. But... These people are just waiting for their time to strike again. They're not going away. They're pissed off. They're waiting for instructions. They're standing back and standing by or whatever the fuck he said, and they will be back. But meanwhile, holy shit, do the Democrats put on a show. Let's just start into this where even under extreme adversity... The Democratic Party, for all of their flaws, and of course, we're going to hear about all of their flaws, mostly from Democrats over the the next four years, the next two years. But for all of their flaws, they do a hell of a good show. They do a hell of a great job illustrating to the world 
that they are the mainstream party, that they should be the default governing party in this country. It's basic competence. It's not brain surgery here. But, of course, the previous administration, and certainly the George W. Bush administration, to a certain extent, made competence seem like it was this gigantic mountain that needed to be climbed, and we go, oh, we can't make it. It's too tough. And it was like a challenge to just do the basic paint-by-numbers things. But the Democrats, that inauguration ceremony, not only the ceremony itself on the Capitol steps, but then also the show last night. Oh oh my God. And the display on the National Mall, the display of lights around the reflecting pool uh, in front of the Lincoln Memorial. It needs to be made permanent. I think Bruce yeah. Springsteen needs to permanently perform on the <laughs> steps of the yeah. Lincoln Memorial. But we need, to give, we need to give Tom Hanks a coat. Yeah, yeah. Bon Jovi. I mean, just Bon Jovi. Yeah. Just keep him there. Just set him up, put like a ring Katie of lights. Katy Perry made me cry. Katie oh my God. Perry well, with made the, me cry. Well, with the, oh my God, the fireworks. I'd uh-huh. never seen fireworks like that. And I grew up here. I know what it's like to see fireworks on the National Mall. But that fireworks display... Holy shit, you could probably see that easily from space. Like at the International Space Station, they're going, is there another insurrection happening in D.C.? Because there's lots of, (laughs) my eyes, my eyes. (laughs) It's just, it was enormous. And uh, again, these people, you want to put on a party, you want to put on a show, hire some Democrats for that job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And I was thinking about that in terms of the uh, convention last summer. Because once again, extreme adversity and yet they made it even better than it would have been had there not yep. been that adversity. And let that be an example, not only to our fellow Americans, but to the world in terms of uh, America just being back. We know what we're doing now. I think that's a really important thing to remember. So we get into all of the things that Joe Biden did on day one, which is a lot. You talk about a giant breath of fresh air. This is a huge breath of fresh air. Finally, for example... Joe Biden revoked the permit for the Keystone XL oil pipeline. That is gone. It was a big piece of shit anyway. Yep. I mean... Any administration, it was a irrespective Rube Goldberg device, yeah, irrespective yeah. of party, it should have been uh, trashed anyway because it was just a, a big boondoggle. It was like something that, you know, Lionel Hutz would sell to the townspeople of The Simpsons, right. you know, something like mm-hmm. that. Where there's like, See, a, I don't think the MAGA crowd or any of the Republicans would have embraced it quite so fervently if it hadn't hurt our feelings so bad. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge problem going forward of this whole unity thing. Yeah. It's like, we just want to live, and you just want to hurt our feelings. Right, right. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's what I was saying at the top. I mean, we can do whatever we want as far as, you know, uh, some of the platitudes that Joe Biden was talking about in his inaugural address yesterday, some of the things we've been hearing about over the past couple of months as far as unity goes. But ultimately, they're going to keep ringing the bell. So as I was saying at the top of the show we got to keep making the stops and it's already started. For example, uh, we're back in the Paris climate accord, right? Because Yay. Donald Trump pulled us out of that. And it was a, a ridiculous move to appease the red hats. And Donald Trump probably today still couldn't tell you what the Paris climate accord actually is or, or what is in it. Did Ted- you read Ted Cruz's t- tweet? Oh yeah. The right ignorance. here. Yeah. 
hit it. <laughs> I hear he said uh, by rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, President Biden indicates he's more interested in the views of the citizens of Paris. Yeah, exactly. The Geneva Conventions were yeah. only applied to people who live in Geneva, just like the Versailles right. Treaty did not extend beyond the boxcar. Yeah, like yeah. you know, the war stopped in Versailles, but everyone else kept fighting. You know, it's, just, it's, yeah. it's a, the, the thing I always go back to. Just because the snack food is called hot dogs doesn't mean there are actual dogs. <laughs> dogs in exactly. the hot dogs. Sorry, Ted Cruz, there are no dogs in your delicious baseball snack food. That's not there. <laughs> so there's two choices here, two options for what Ted Cruz said. Either he's treating his fanboys like morons, which mm-hmm. is the more likely one. I mean, Ted Cruz isn't an idiot. He's just a, no. a pandering, slippery piece of shit. Um <laughs> There's some Venn diagram overlap, I should say, but uh, either he's treating his people like an idiot or he just doesn't know himself. And I can't even imagine anyone would just go, especially a member of the United States Senate, and go, well, this Paris Climate Accord thing, man, man, why are they dealing with the citizens of Paris? Why are we doing anything for them? It's Paris. It's a, it's a, but see, they hear a, the name of a foreign capital and they immediately bristle. It's yeah. because it has a European word in it. Right. It's Paris. And it makes fan MAGA boys go, ooh, European fancy faggot stuff. You know, it's just <laughs> like, right. yeah. you know, there was a moment. That I didn't know whether I should laugh or cry from mm-hmm. the footage from the New Yorker guy that was inside the Capitol when all those fucking chuckle fucks like <laughs> arrive in the Senate chambers and they're fanning out they're like, well, let's set up a government. And it's like, it's just that easy, dickhead. Yeah. You can't even set up a savings account. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to set up a government with you, you guys in your tactical gear and your AR 15s and your hockey sticks are going to like run the country from the, good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, they really, I think they think it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. And they, it is so not. Our, our government is vast and complicated. It is a yeah. huge and multi-layered machine mm-hmm. that lots of people work in all their lives to get a handle on and understand the mechanics of it. What you need to do is send a handwritten letter to Rand Paul explaining all of that, David. He uh, he said yesterday in reaction to Joe Biden's inaugural address, which is Joe Biden's calling for unity and so on, Rand Paul said, if you read his speech and listen to it carefully... Much of it is thinly veiled innuendo, calling us white supremacists, calling That's us racist, calling us every name in the book, calling us people who don't tell the truth. Well, you know what? First of all, that's not necessarily what Joe Biden was saying, but when the shoe fits, when the toupee yeah, when fits. when the hood hits. When the hood hits, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, when he takes offense, that's on him. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, like it's, Lauren Boebert when Steve Cohen was like, people from the House of Representatives were showing rioters around the Capitol ahead right. of time and she's like how dare you accuse me of this and he's like ma'am I don't recall mentioning your name well when Tulsi but- Gabbard called out Hillary Clinton when Hillary Clinton didn't mention her fucking name yeah right well yesterday yeah. too I, I noticed I turned over to uh, Sean Hannity uh, yesterday Ugh. evening, He's while the other yeah, while the other festivities were going on, this is right before I went on Fugel Science Show, and I noticed Sean Hannity was talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. 
last Naturally. night. <laughs> so if and anyone a thinks, of migrants, there's um, a tenet in foreign policy, especially with nuclear disarmament. You don't want to disarm yourself without entering an agreement in which the other side also disarms at the same rate, right? You want to do it that way so there's uh, a mutual level of disarmament. And if there's to be some form of unity, they have to play ball too. We just can't run up and be suckers. We can't allow ourselves to be pantsed every step of the way because... No, they have to come meet us here. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to be like halfway in on white supremacy. Yeah, you're right. Like, you have to let all that go. And oh, yeah, yeah. At a reasonable place because we've been trying to reason with you from the other end of the bridge for mm-hmm. a billion years now and it's never worked. Well, I think he's also talking... I think Joe Biden is primarily talking about discussions of policy. If you saw in the uh, events yesterday, there was a segment in which uh, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton had a that was so good had a little a little <laughs> chit chat about the inauguration and so on. And Barack Obama's always talking. Well, the, all three of them were talking about lowering the temperature and reaching out to our neighbors. But I think what they're talking about here is specific to like policy disagreements. Can we find some sort of way to compromise on this, you know, this issue or that issue? But I don't think Barack Obama said, yeah, yeah, go reach out to those white supremacists. Go reach out to those Nazis who stormed the Capitol building. That's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about reaching out to people who do nothing but spread disinformation, whether it's on Fox News Channel, AM Talk Radio, the whole Red Hat Entertainment Complex. They're not talking about some form of unity with Laura Ingram and Mark Levin. I don't think that's ever going to happen, and they should never expect that, and I don't think they do. But getting back to uh, some of Joe Biden's things from day one, uh, we're also returning to the World Health Organization, and Dr. Fauci is our representative there. That's also great news. Uh, Biden released his national strategy to end the COVID-19 pandemic on Thursday, which will also include using the Defense Production Act and other powers to speed up manufacturing and testing uh, vaccine supplies, other items needed to fight COVID-19. He authorized uh, Acting Secretary of Education to extend a freeze on federal student loan repayments through at least September 30, while continuing to maintain a 0% interest rate on all outstanding loans. Also great news uh, for millions of Americans at risk of eviction due to coronavirus-related job losses. The Biden administration also extended a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures for the duration of the pandemic. Biden officially appointed a COVID-19 response coordinator to create a unified national response to the pandemic. That was uh, announced yesterday by Jen Psaki, the new press secretary, who did an amazing job yesterday. uh, Again, it was refreshing not to see a a petulant pissy pants a-hole running the press room yesterday. Honestly, I was like, I remember this from the old days. No, it was like... You know, it was like watching the West Wing or something. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like a competent press secretary. Right, right. And it's you know what information exactly, and it's and it's not going to be it's not going to be smooth sailing the whole way. There will be gaffes, there will be fuck ups, but by and large, again, I go back to competence, 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 competence. We're talking about things that we no longer have to worry. There were things during the Trump years that up until that point, up until 2016, throughout our national history, we never had to worry about. But as soon as Donald Trump became president, suddenly we're worried about the nuts 
nuts and bolts in the operations right. of the, you know, the sub-level uh, deputy secretary of something, something in the State Department. And we go, well, well, this should be automatic. We shouldn't have to be concerned about this as citizens. This should be the default position. And it, and it right. never, 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 never had never a president was. who we had to worry was going to stick a butter knife in an electrical. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Right. We were like, oh yeah. my God, we have to put like, you know, protective, like soft things on the corners of the table. So he doesn't yeah. smack his little head. Oh my God. It, it was, it was worse than having no one in charge for four years. Yeah, it really, really I mean, was. If we just had no president at all, it would have been better. But we had an active, like malign, like I'm going to fucking destroy this country if it kills me president. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine if he had been reelected and continued this trend, because I think we really began to see the ultimate. Again, we're going back to this same territory again. It's like we're we're old war buddies who can't stop relitigating the war. But the fact is that the wounds (laughs) from the war are going to linger and linger and linger. And so just because we're done with Trump doesn't mean Trump is done with us. You know what I mean? So, uh, oh, I'm not done with him. I'm reading. I've got indictments. I'm going to sit through. I'm, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to enjoy his long fall from the oh shit. Tree yeah, and yeah. Hope that he hits every branch on the way down. Well, one of you the know, things uh, I think we're going to continue to cover here, David, is the accountability. You better get ready because that's going to be one of the beats of this show. We're going to be covering holding these uh, red hats, holding the Trumpers accountable, whether that is the insurrectionists, whether that's Trump himself, whether it's his crime family, whether it's any of his enablers. We've got a story here coming up today about Charlie Flynn, Mike Flynn's brother, who is now involved in what happened with the insurrection. Motherfucker. He needs to hang. Oh, my God. Wait, you're talking about Mike Flynn or Charlie Flynn? (laughs) Charlie, Which, the one that was yeah. like, "Oh, they can wait." Oh yeah, yeah. It exactly. was like that. It, I don't know if you ever watched Homeland, but there was a sea. Uh, you know, there was a moment where the team was in Syria and they got pinned down by mm-hmm. enemy fire, and the Syrian, like the director of the intelligence, who could authorize military backup to them, was like, mm, "Let them wait." Oh yeah, yeah. And well, it's just someone gave a stand down order, and uh, you know. We're gonna. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We're gonna talk about Charlie Pierce after the break. But before not we get Charlie into, Pierce, uh, not Charlie Pierce. Did Charlie I say Charlie Flynn. Pierce? Oh. You did say Charlie Pierce. Oh my God! Um, See, uh, you know. we can talk about Charlie Pierce. I love yeah, He's let's amazing. talk about Charlie Pierce. Uh, Jody, doing, did he do Kimmel last night, or did he do Kimmel? Is he doing Kimmel tonight? Jody, are you having refrigerator sex with Charlie Pierce? As often as I can. <laughs> So Biden uh, used executive actions yesterday to roll back Trump's attempt to exclude undocumented people from the census. He ended the travel ban. He rolled back uh, the policy that eliminated deportation priorities and ended an emergency declaration the former president used to divert funds to the wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. The wall is going to come to a screeching halt as far as that goes. Uh, No more travel ban. That's also good. The racist policies are melting away. The Stephen Miller legacy is disappearing. Uh, They're reuniting families. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. They're going to really try to put those families back together. And I hope to God that they find all those kids. Right, right. And then meanwhile, along those lines, he restored DACA. DACA is back in Ashton. There are, oh my God, you can't even start to count the number of dreamers who are breathing a huge sigh of relief today. That no one's going to be knocking on their door to tell them to get the fuck out. You know, that's not 
happening at least for the time being. And, you know, I do want to you talk. Know, I was watching. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was going to say I, I do want to talk about at some point today, and we may or may not get to it. But I do want to talk about the short attention span of the American voter. Don't let me forget that because I want to get right. into that as far as uh, what's going to happen. Forget by the end of the show, and we'll forget too. The short attention <laughs> span of America's podcast. Yes, I'm also forgetting <laughs> who I'm talking to, including myself. Uh, so what I was going to say a second ago yeah. there was I was watching the crying Trump kids and I was just sitting there thinking <laughs> in my because I mean I got it I'm watching Uday and Crusade get all like you know it was like yeah I was like yes. yeah separate them put them in cages I can't wait <laughs> and what where where was Baron I love all the memes going around the Home Alone memes where suddenly <laughs> Catherine O'Hara goes Baron like like they left Baron at the White House he's <laughs> He's upstairs. It's like a feral cat. Yeah, comes with a property, you know. He, he's upstairs in the residence. He's upstairs. He catches in the mice and other pests in his mouth. Yeah. He'd be happier with the Bidens, trust me. Yeah, well, that's right. He'd be better off and actually have a future. <laughs> he and Joe Biden are playing Xbox right now up in the residence. Yeah. Uh, one last thing before we take a break: the White House announced a 100-day moratorium on deportations, which is the clearest sign yet that Biden will reform as much of the immigration system as he can without congressional action. And by the way, he sent, this is something that we haven't seen in a while, the Biden team sent a completed piece of legislation to Congress as far as comprehensive immigration reform. So they actually authored a bill to be introduced in Congress, which is something that certainly Donald Trump didn't do. And I don't think no, I, I don't think Barack did. Obama did that. I don't think the Obama administration actually authored any bills. I think they would work in consultation with Congress, right. and Congress would author the bill. But I don't think there were any bills that came out. This is uh, this harkens back to the Clinton years. I think the last time yeah. we saw bills being authored, maybe George W. Bush had a few bills that were authored by the White House. I certainly know Bill Clinton authored some bills and had them sent down to Congress. But I I certainly don't remember anything coming out of the Obama administration as far as that goes. But that's a, a unique little change, uh, something uh, interesting and new that we're seeing in the uh, in the Biden White House. Uh, it's just such a such a breath of fresh air. It's incredible. Well, it's the start of a brand new year, and if you plan on making a fresh start for yourself in twenty one. This is your time to shine. You might try reading a new book, getting more exercise, or even try changing up your look. Well, Plexiderm can be the key to a refreshed new look for the new year by taking years off your appearance, and it all just takes 10 minutes. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes, visibly reduced wrinkles, fine lines, even under eye bags in just a matter of minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines, number 11s, and crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in fewer than 10 minutes. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit BuyPLA com slash voices or call 800-685-1292 and say the code voices. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear, vanish, poof, with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx.com slash voices or call 800-685-1292 and say the code voices at checkout. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. Spring in his ear. 
Just incredible new music here from a band called Divided Heaven. This is uh, also featuring singer Lydia Loveless and a song called They Poisoned Our Fathers. Dividedheaven.com. Go there, bookmark it, link in the description for you if you need to click on something. But uh, you're going to be hearing a lot from Divided Heaven on this show. I'm just blown away by this stuff. It's incredible music. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm getting that right after the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, uh, it's They Poisoned Our Father's brand new single. I don't think it's on an album, but uh, we've got uh, links in the description for you, dividedheaven.com. Also, bobseska.com slash music if you want to submit your songs to the show, and thank you for doing that. Uh, more great music coming up later on the show, by the way. Also, so let's talk about um, this, uh, this report in the Washington Post about Charlie Flynn. Yeah, I had no idea Mike Flynn had a brother. I almost said Mike Me Pence, either. but yeah, he's got a brother. He works at the Pentagon, and Charlie Flynn, who's a lieutenant general, was in one of the key meetings on January sixth. This phone call during which Capitol Police and D.C. officials pleaded with the Pentagon to dispatch the D.C. National Guard urgently. But top Army officials expressed concern about having the Guard at the Capitol. This is uh, an interesting situation with the D.C. National Guard. According to this piece, they talk about how the president usually controls what the D.C. National Guard does. But in this case, because it's the district... The president traditionally defers to the Pentagon to make all decisions as far as deploying the D.C. National Guard. So in this case, this was a, basically a 100% Pentagon decision we're led to believe. Now, who knows who Charlie Flynn was talking to? Who knows where he's getting his orders and how his participation in this phone call played out, but it was basically the stand down order. It's like, well, no, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to send it in. And then at some point during this phone meeting, Charlie Flynn left the meeting. So he wasn't right. in for According the, to him. Yeah, according, according to him. But here's the catch to all of this. The Pentagon covered it up. The Pentagon... That's a huge problem. Yes. The Pentagon denied that Charlie Flynn was a part of this meeting. In fact, in response to questions from the press, one Army official said on January 12th in an email to the Post, in all caps, he was not in any of the meetings, exclamation mark. It was in, I mean, literally like a Trump tweet. It was in all caps with exclamation mark at the end. Charlie Flynn was not in any of the meetings deciding about the National Guard during the insurrection. And now they're learning that, oh, yeah, he was. Oh, did, did we not mention that to you? Did we not tell you? Oh, yeah, he was in the meeting. It's just like, he did not meet with the Russian ambassador. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, but actually, well, he did sort of. Right, yeah, right. Well, this also raises an interesting question about Mike Flynn. Because Mike Flynn was pardoned f- just for the lying to the FBI, right? Right. Yeah, where he was questioned about the phone calls and conversations with Sergey right. Kislyak, and he lied to the FBI a number of times, and that was that was the pardon, right? That was the parameters right. of mm-hmm. what that pardon was all about, or maybe it may have been a, a commutation. No, I think it was Roger Stone got the commutation, as Flynn yeah. got a pardon. 
but this doesn't apply. Like, I don't know from what I understand with regards to Donald Trump's last big batch of pardons. I don't think Mike Flynn and his involvement or maybe involvement with the insurrection was part of that. I don't think that that was included. So it's possible that Mike Flynn could be in more trouble because there is this connection now to the actual insurrection, plus the fact that he was inciting it the night before. Mike Flynn addressed a crowd of Trump supporters at Freedom Plaza near the White House saying, quote, this country is awake tomorrow, meaning the 6th, the day of the insurrection. The members of Congress, the members of the House of Representatives, the members of the United States Senate, those of you who are feeling weak tonight, we the people are going to be here and we want you to know that we will not stand for a lie. That was Mike fucking Flynn. And this is going to be fascinating from a a number of perspectives. Obviously, there are going to be criminal referrals here when it comes to inciting the insurrection, while at the same time, we're going to be treated to a hell of an uh, impeachment trial in the Senate, mainly because the Democrats control the fucking Senate now. So, you know, I'm still pissed that we didn't get at least a day to to, um enjoy that Raphael Warnick and John Ossoff had won. Oh, yeah. Well, that's you know, it a, was like, I was like, yay, we won. Yeah. Are those people going into the building? You know, it was just like the shortest <laughs> lived political elation I think I've ever had. Like, just. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we did that shit. It's, it was a, God, it was a great day. There were so many firsts, so many memorable uh, moments, certainly the swearing in by Kamala Harris, by the way, Vice President Kamala Harris, swearing in Alex Padilla, swearing in John Ossoff, swearing in Raphael Warnock. Just, well, her, her swearing in Padilla and saying, and he is replacing Kamala D. Harris. Well, that's weird. And then her laugh, and then she was yeah. laughing, which is just. That was just odd and, and That's weird. how you can tell she's really exhausted. <laughs> yeah, she's, you know, she's like holding it together, but it's a little like yeah but man if i had if i had gone from one percent in the primaries or whatever it was to being vice president of the united states i'd be laughing all the time you'd never stop me from laughing and she deserves to be laughing all she wants first of all because it's like a million bucks hearing kamala harris laughing is uh worth its weight in gold but then uh it's a hot shower yeah Mm -hmm. cold day yeah but she she has earned it absolutely one thousand percent uh you know given the fact that uh, i'm sure her email i'm sure she gets letters and faxes if they're still faxes i'm sure she gets all kinds of horrendously racist awfulness death threats and all the rest of it i mean remember you know uh four years ago eight years ago barack obama was getting Getting, uh, like the the worst death threats that the Secret Service had ever seen in the history of the Secret yeah. Service. So I can't even imagine what Kamala Harris uh, might be subjected to here. But uh, but it was, it was another glorious moment. But anyway, so as Did far you see as Joy Reid's interview with Pelosi, Joy Reid's interview. Uh, yeah, I saw. Yeah, I saw a little of it. It was really good. And in fact, we've got it some was... got some Pelosi quotes here in a second. But what was your uh, okay. what was your reaction to that? Just that she, I mean, you know, she was exactly like she was when I met her. Because the day I met her, I mean, you know, I shook hands with her and she was perfectly bright and cheerful and glad to meet you, David. But there was like a palpable air of don't fuck with me now. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you could stand a spoon in it. Like, I mean, she really was, mm-hmm. it was just like she moved through the crowd. I thought at the time, like I wrote in my journal that night with like the grace and power of a battleship plying the waters. Just yeah. like effortless. She's awesome. Well, she's um, incredible. And- I, yeah. I mean, here's my story of meeting Nancy Pelosi. It was back. Backstage at the San Francisco uh, Sexy, Sexy Liberal Show. Yeah. yeah. And the first thing she says to me is she says, oh, Bob, it's a pleasure to meet you. Do you still live here in the Bay Area? 
I was like, boom. What? How did you? She's got, the, she's, she's got the right people working with her to, you know, point out things for her. By yeah, the her way, advanced but, people. Yeah. Absolutely. But I met her at Stephanie's house. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, fine. Just completely. <laughs> just, <laughs> it was a hell of a night. I, it was, wow. It was a big night. And um, yeah. I got to meet Adam Schiff at her house and Ted Lou a couple of times. Um, but when I got to meet the speaker, she, she spoke to the crowd of us that were at Stephanie's. And then I introduced myself. She goes, oh, hi, Jody. It's a pleasure to meet you. How's your mom? <sighs> See? Yeah. It's wonderful. You know, but I also get the sense that she has a memory and a mind like a like a machine. Like and her secret just, service detail was very funny and very sweet. <laughs> I have pictures with them. <laughs> it was just—it's so impressive. I, just, I was so in awe of just how like protective she is of that yeah. space and yeah. the people who work there. Yeah. And she was like, "This will never happen again." And they were mm-hmm. like, "Well, how do you feel about the possibility of serving alongside people who may have aided the riot?" And she's like, "Law enforcement, law enforcement will." determine that oh yeah yeah, yeah. and i was just like yeah Um, yeah 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 yesterday at her press conference she said uh, Mm -hmm. there's no question there were members in this body in the u.s congress who gave aid and comfort to those with the idea that they were embracing a lie a lie perpetrated by potus uh, that the election did not have legitimacy. And she also said, the fact is POTUS committed an act of incitement of insurrection. I don't think it's very unifying to say, let's just forget it and move on. Yeah, fucking hell right. Exactly fucking right. The Speaker of the House knows what the score is as far as accountability. And yeah. you could tell the thing that bothered her the most was, she's like, I'm not, she's like, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't surprised. Right. Nothing surprises me. And I was like, God, you're so fucking gangster. <laughs> you know, like, like, were you surprised? She's like, nothing that happens in this building surprises me. Yeah. But I was genuinely concerned for my staffers, for people who don't have the amount of Secret Service protection that I do. She's like, and it hurt her to see, I mean, people are traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. Even Republican Aides that were in the building, you know, were in fear for their lives. With the with the calls for certain members of Congress to already be expelled, which I am all for, mm-hmm. she's waiting for more and more evidence. And then I look forward to Lauren Bobbert in handcuffs. I look forward to that moment in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Pelosi never runs a play. No, she knows she's what she's everything doing. Everything on the board. And yep. same with Mitch McConnell talking like he's talking. He knows what's going on. He gets security briefings. He's got the same information she does, which is why he's starting to talk like he's talking, which is giving permission to 16 or 17 Republicans in the Senate mm-hmm. to convict this motherfucker. So I don't think as far as congressional action goes, I don't think there's going to be any punches that are going to be pulled. Certainly no. not by Speaker Pelosi. You know, Kevin McCarthy, who's the Republican yeah. leader on the House side, he said that uh, he's in favor of some sort of bipartisan commission to investigate at least involvement by members of Congress in the insurrection. I think there needs to be an expanded commission to look at the entire thing from top to bottom, including Trump's involvement himself. But mm-hmm. we're, of course, going to see a lot of that evidence coming out in this impeachment trial. trial. And so the trial that we saw last year with regard to Donald Trump trying to cheat in the election with Ukraine, et cetera, that was not even a trial. That was just you know Mitch McConnell going through the motions, doing the least right. he could do without doing nothing. But right. this time around, we can expect to see a real Senate trial of Donald Trump. And that is going to yeah. be fucking amazing you know what's gonna be fun about that is whoever donald trump hires to be his attorney 
Like, who's gonna? Is it gonna be who's Alan gonna Dershowitz? Take that gig. I mean, uh, who would take that gig other than his little proud boys who don't like him anymore because they're not calling him weak? That's my favorite story of the day. The New York Times reporting that I have it pulled up on my phone. If you'd like me to read, some yes, quotes. yes, let's have it. Oh, let's see. After the presidential election last year, the Proud Boys, a far-right group, declared its undying loyalty to Trump. In November, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Well, it's over. Yeah. They're calling him a shill. They're calling him weak. They're calling his gestures since the um, insurrection, like, limp and impotent, which for them are, like, you know, those are big words. They're scary. Yeah, it sounds like a Lincoln um, Project ad. <laughs> Sad, um, weak, impotent. Yeah. But this is the thing. You know, and I could have told you this was going to happen. And people who were, you know, saying that he was going to be leading his merry band of insurrectionists around the country and wreaking havoc. No, that kind of personality, the authoritarian bootlicker, mm-hmm. only loves you when you're in power. Yeah, yeah. They only because that's all they love really is mm-hmm. power and cruelty. And so when you are weak in front of them, they fall on each other like a bunch of hyenas. Yeah, you know, do. and it's just like. You know, a friend of mine, he said this about Germans, and I don't necessarily agree, but I do believe it about authoritarians. They're either at your feet or at your throat. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. it's one or the other. They're either trying to knife you or they're worshiping you. And that's like they, you know, they see him as – and I think now without the uh, trappings of power – around him, they're going to see him for the pathetic loser in a shitty suit that he really is. <laughs> I really think that they were just completely blinded by the power. Yeah. Well, and that's, also, you know, that's the same thing. Go ahead. The, well, the, what's funny about all of this is, and and disgusting, is your Josh Hollies and your Ted Cruz's think that these motherfuckers are going to vote for them. <laughs> right. No, it's Paris and they Hilton won't. syndrome. They, but they won't. They, they honestly think that pandering to those people, which is why Rand Paul is so upset that Joe Biden doesn't like white supremacists. Um, <laughs> they really think that the Proud Boys and the QAnon idiots and cult members that followed Donald Trump will follow them, which is complete. Without Donald Trump, they don't have these voters. Yeah, and did you see some of the videos going around yesterday, some of the videos and photos of some of these red hats just seeming completely dejected? There was one in which one of the QAnon women was just uh-huh. bawling Weeping. her eyes yeah. out. Yeah, just that like, upset me because that was too much like how I felt at, in 2017 on this day. You know, like after, Yeah, but that I was really legitimate. Was like, that was the, uh, you were observing <laughs> the rise of a fascist regime in 2016. Exactly. 2017. This is something different. These are people who have been fed a bullshit bill of goods, like a completely random set of bogus conspiracy theories, and they're upset that uh, that Donald Trump is no longer going to be around to help pursue their ridiculous conspiracy theories. But there was another guy who was doing the whole, well, we're standing by waiting for instructions from Trump. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. It's not. It's, where? How? Wh- you know, certainly not through his Pinterest account, which he doesn't have anymore, by the way. If you're waiting for Donald Trump to give you instructions about what your next move is, uh, good you luck with drive that. to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the people in the insurrection that got arrested were expecting pardons from him. <laughs> right. That I love. Yeah, I love that part. Like mm-hmm. just, he just didn't even bother with anybody poor or couldn't anybody care less about them. They didn't. Yeah. They they weren't cast from you know central casting, so yeah. they didn't look good enough for him to bother with. <laughs>
<laughs> what a fucking I have idiot. to explain why I mentioned Paris Hilton <clears throat> a second ago because it doesn't seem ra- like relevant at first. But like the one thing I noticed about Paris Hilton is like everybody around her is like dying of drug overdoses, going to jail, and she always just sort of seemed to skate. Mm-hmm. Like this impunity that like and Trump has the same deal. Yeah. And the people around him try to do the things that he gets away with and they don't and they go to jail. Yeah. Or, you know, they end up in prison or they you know, it's like uh, and I feel like Holly and Cruz think that they're going to get that same like yeah. power of rush mm-hmm. of and, and for whatever reasons, God help us. It was very much tied to that particular awful, horrible man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what Donald Trump had going in was that 12 years on television, the yeah. couple, couple of decades of being constantly in the public view where he could kind of tenderize you know, his fanboy brains by exposure, by showing people who he is and what he's all about. And then by the time he ran for president, he already had that springboard locked down. So, but Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz basically have to start from zero. Same with Laura yeah. Boebert or whatever her name is. So She's going to be in prison. I'm not worried. Yeah. By the way, we got to talk about um, the pardons here, the Trump pardons. Yeah. You guys brought up a good point with that. We're going to talk about uh, you know, 143 pardons he issued yesterday. We're going to talk about that right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. Oh, yeah, this is uh, Ellis Easley and a song called I Keep Losing Important Things from his Earth Becomes a Rock album. EllisEasley.bandcamp.com. Another brand new fave for me here on the show. You're going to be hearing a lot more from Ellis Easley and Divided Heaven for that. Spell that last name for me. E-A-S-L-E-Y. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. So many yeah. beautiful voices. The thing I'm struck with with the music that we get on the show, yeah. we you get on the show because I don't do it. As we, we're, we're all on the show, yeah. 
is just how many amazing singers there are out there. And it's, you know, they've got all these people who are quote unquote famous now. Yeah. That, like, they can't sing. Mm-hmm. They're just cooperative and they look good in pictures. And then they, like, doctor their vocal tracks. And there's so many people with these amazing voices out there, like, delivering pizzas or working in banks. And it yeah. just. Yeah. Yeah, and, my heart. and it really does. And it also breaks my heart to know that there are so many great voices, including yours, David, including yours, Jody, that you are both accomplished singers and as wonderful as anything we receive here as far as submissions go. But on top of that, I look at the like top 100 on Spotify or the Billboard Hot 100 and I go... Oh my God! All these songs sound exactly the same. Oh, holy they do, shit! Because they're written by the same people and produced by the same people. There's a yeah. whole group of there's like two or three songwriters that are writing everybody's fucking songs, which is like, and then they all tune them the same. Mm-hmm. It gets same generic key. girl voice yeah. here, generic girl voice there, and then you have a, a Katy Perry who sounds different, or a, or a Miley Cyrus who sounds different. Thank God, but it's like you know, generic lady girl sings here. Yeah, I right. don't know who that is. You know, it's like I, it's, I'll listen to Top 40 Radio and go, I don't, which girl is this one? Yeah. And there's this weird <laughs> appetite for like younger and younger white girls. Like the number one song in the country right now is something called Driver's License. And it's like, <laughs> did and she the just chorus, get hers? No, the chorus is I got my driver's license last week or something like that. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, that's a year younger than Billie Eilish was. You know, it's just like pretty soon they're going to be like, we're just going to be like, you know, ultrasound recordings are going to be remixed and put up. You know, if you're, oh, she's been born too old, (laughs) too old for the market. Right, right. Like, yeah. Well, it's really frustrating because we're stuck in this kind of endless loop of musical bankruptcy, I believe, where... I think culturally, in a in an even broader sense, even beyond music itself and popular music, what's happening with internet and social media is we're in this perpetual loop, this feedback loop in in the culture where we don't seem to be moving forward a whole lot. Like, you remember the 70s had its own flavor of music, whether it was disco, right. whether it was progressive rock, whether it was uh, uh, new wave and punk toward the end. The, the 80s had its own sound. The 90s even had its own sound, as watered down as it was. But we had grunge there in the beginning. But now... No, the 90s were awesome. Are you kidding? Yeah, well, there was a lot amazing of... Amazing music in the 90s. There was so much good stuff. But I'm talking about, like, pop music. There was a lot of generic... Like, mm. Creed. There was a lot of shit like that. But... <laughs> Now we're seeing the same style of music fed back into the system. So where, you know, you used to have new sounds with every period of time moving on. Now we're still locked into the fucking uh, whatever it is, that auto tune thing. That's my huge frustration with Lady Gaga. Everyone's like, she's this innovative, one of a kind artist. And I'm like, why does her music sound like Romanian disco from 1993? Yeah, Like, I mean, it really like... But dance music, which should be an incredibly vibrant form where things just shift and change and group and, you know, it just like used to be that dance music and hip hop evolved faster than the coronavirus. I mm-hmm. mean, it was just like nothing was staler than yesterday's yeah. hot groove. But we've gotten into this comforting cycle where people want to hear things they already know. Yes. Well, and also to- record companies are lazy. Yeah, exactly. And- oh, my God. Yeah. Because it's stupid. And, and well, I mean, there was this this. Uh, duo that Lonnie really liked. They were 16-year-old friends. And um, they were meeting all the right people. I mean, we went to a party that, that they were at, and Desmond Child was there, and all these you know celebrities, and they performed, and it was like, wow, you know, because Desmond can write a hit song or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so 
you know, Lonnie was going to write some songs with them, and then their manager was taking them to record companies. They were meeting with people, yeah. and they were like, "Well, have you down? How many downloads have you done on your own?" Hmm. And they were like, "Well, we, you know, a couple thousand here, you know, ten thousand maybe." They, well, as soon as you have fifty thousand downloads, then we'll talk to you. And oh, it's like, Jesus. if I have fifty thousand fucking downloads, I don't fucking need you. Right, right. No one wants to take a chance anymore. That's the problem. You, you had one of the reasons why the '70s was such a fertile era for music of all varieties is because A and R guys and record labels were constantly taking chances. Ahmet yep. Erdogan from Atlantic Records was Clive Davis. Clive Davis. All kinds of interesting shit from was getting signed. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. He's gone now, but I can't remember his name. And it was like huge. The guy that ran Warner Sire. Right, mm-hmm. right. Harvey, well, no. But well, now everything. The, I mean, can everything, you imagine like if the B-52s tried to get signed now? Oh, just yeah. how that would be just absolutely the fucking Carpenters. impossible. Yeah. Karen Carpenter doesn't sing like a blah. She was a really beautiful singer. <laughs> yeah. But she wasn't all over. She wasn't, you know, changing melodies left and right mm-hmm. just to prove that she had this vocal gymnastics. Stop warbling. Well, there's exactly. a, there aren't there's any only more. one Patty Labelle. Right, right, uh, and, there, and there are no more four-piece rock bands in the uh, Billboard Hot 100. That just doesn't exist anymore, and I don't understand why that is. There, of course, you know, some of the legacy bands like Foo Fighters and U2 end up popping in there every once in a while. But where you get the rock music now is in the indie scene. The stuff that we play uh, you know alternative music that's where the rock and roll is still happening to a certain degree and, and the most creative rock and roll not the same stuff rehashed all over again but experimental things interesting sonically people experimenting with new kinds of music i mean we have uh, like one band we play here on the show called the sound of machines and if you follow the sound of machines on instagram this guy is creating all kinds of amazing sounds, so just amazing. using toys and electronic devices that he just finds, like found objects that he's wiring together and creating these interesting sounds. That's the kind of shit that we should be seeing, but of course we're not, because as I said, the music industry is is completely bankrupt creatively. They just have no balls anymore. There's no risk-taking. There's no chances. It's just like, okay, we'll just give the people the same kind of shit over and over again. That's easy. That that maintains well, it's our the salaries. Same, it's the same kind of rot that's happening in so many industries from healthcare to higher education where the level of people who actually do things mm-hmm. has shrunken and the level of administrative guys that wear coats and ties and go to meetings and bought, you know has expanded far out beyond its most absurd bureaucratic extensions. It's like the, the people, the money people are, are running everything now because everything has to make a profit, profit, profit. Yeah. And so it's... You know, the creative people have been shunted into the corner and it's like, well, go do your thing on social media. And if you can make something happen on your own, then maybe we'll look at you like, mm-hmm. you know, Jody was saying. But it's, you know, promoting yourself is a totally different skill yeah. than singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, and I mean, I suck at it. You know, I really want I mean, ugh. yeah, you know, Buzz but, and I have that conversation all the time about the podcast where you know, right. Buzz says, you know, Bob, I love you, but uh, you're terrible at promoting your show. And I say, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I just I I feel weird. I feel uncomfortable doing promotions. I don't know why. That's my own little flaw that I just can't bring myself to do it. But that, and it's, 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 it's a unique skill. And to be able to do the kind of shit to actually produce the content, but also have the skill to do the promotions too. Well, hats off to you. If you can, if you can accomplish both of those things at the same time, I don't think I can. But anyway, so let's uh, pardons, wrap, pardons. Yes, let's talk pardons. about pardons. How many, <laughs> how many Proud Boys are just weeping that Lil Wayne got a pardon? Yeah, and none of them, none of them. 
I love that. Yeah, I mean, and you know the the wing nuts, the the red hats are upset that Julian Assange and Edward Snowden didn't get pardons. The red roses too, and I'm like, yeah. What was what? Why would Trump be even remotely sympathetic to those people? Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. But he issued 143 pardons in his final hours as president. He wiped away uh, the convictions and prison sentences for a host of corrupt politicians and business executives. In total, Trump issued a batch of 73 pardons and 70 commutations, including a pardon for Stephen K. Bannon, the guy oh. who can blow himself, evidently, according to Anthony Scaramucci. Uh, also, who else got he a pardon? Won't get far. You know who else got a pardon yesterday? Fucking Elliot Broidy. And yeah. you know, we don't talk about Elliot Broidy a whole lot, but he was the finance chair of the RNC who was involved right. in all kinds of horseshit. Yeah, didn't Russia, he slip yeah. a, his girlfriend like a, a RU486 or something? No, that's indi- Jason Miller. That's yeah. Jason Miller. Okay. No, but I this forget. guy, he bought a medical abortion. He did have oh, his, okay. most of his baby aborted. Yeah. Just It was with her consent and knowledge. Oh, okay. He, to me, is like, Elliot Broidy is the archetype of like Republican men who look like intestinal polyps. <laughs> That's it. That's the title of the show. Republican men who look like intestinal polyps. He's just, yeah, so round and cancerous looking and just, ugh. And I mean, uh, really, all the way down to the Proud Boys. I mean, the whole reason all the Proud Boys have beards is because they have no chins. (laughs) That's right. That always encourages me as far as the coming Civil War goes, is that with the Proud Boys, the Boogaloo Boys, by the looks of them, we can probably outrun them. I mean, even if we're yeah. out of shape, we could probably outrun the Proud Boys. So there's that. There's that upside. But, you know, Brighty uh, pled guilty in October uh, to acting as an unregistered foreign agent and lobbying the Trump administration on behalf of foreign interests. So that was it's just basically Donald Trump clearing up all of the messes, except except he did not preemptively pardon himself or his family. Now, what about the, quote, secret pardon bullshit that we were hearing this past week? I, I guess we're going to have to wait and see on that. We're not going to find out unless there's a prosecution. And only then will it spring Or an forward. arrest, I guess. Because, yeah. I mean, with Steve Bannon, he was just indicted. He never actually was prosecuted. He was just indicted. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's possible that he did that, obviously. Uh, it would be str- absolutely bizarre if Donald Trump decided, hey, you know what? Not going to try it. Not even going to bother. It seems to me as if it's a no-brainer for him that he would immediately try to do that because, you know, the next, well, for the rest of his miserable life, it's going to be nothing but a conga line of people serving him with papers. I mean, that's going to be Donald Trump's (laughs) whole life. He's going to be spending his life in courtrooms and conference rooms with arbitrators and judges and prosecutors and lawyers. Doing depositions. Yeah. Whether, and he's going to be receiving legal bills in the mail. He's going to be receiving subpoenas, court summons, all the rest of it. That's Donald Trump's life moving forward. And already any president leaving office is going to be profoundly depressed. That is just the standard operating procedure. But with Donald Trump, not only is he going to be profoundly depressed, especially knowing his thirst for power Uh is the fact that these post-presidency years of Donald Trump are going to be nothing but swatting down legal issues. And he's not going to be successful. He's going to be successful at swatting down some of them, but he's not going to be successful at swatting down all of them. Well, he's also owes three hundred million dollars personally guaranteed. <laughs> That's right. Not his company. His he personally guaranteed three hundred million dollars in loans. Yeah. That's not like Trump organization shit where you can start selling off things. He personally has to come up with three hundred million dollars in the next few years. Yeah, and that can we cut him up and sell him his meat? 
Um, uh, yeah, and exactly that last act, his last big thing, other than the pardons before leaving mm-hmm. office, was inciting insurrection. Yeah. That, and that changed the ball game for all of the other things. That made all of the other things uh, more possible as far as prosecutions go, as, as far as accountability goes, because now people are like, well, fuck him. I mean, even people who kind of supported him a little bit, the people who were on the fringes of that, whatever it turned out to be, 29% support. I mean, he lost maybe 14, 15% of his support after the insurrection as a consequence of the insurrection. So those people are like, you know what, screw it. You know, he deserves all of this shit. And when other issues come up, it's going to be viewed through the prism of the fact that he incited an insurrection and no one wants to give him any leeway now. And that's... Uh, you talk about a silver lining. That's a bit of a silver lining, I would say. It makes everything more likely. It makes everything easier to uh, to swallow, uh, prosecution wise. Okay, I think that's uh, that's all for now. Uh, is there anything else? Did we miss anything? Well, we're going to do the postmortem show. If there was anything we missed here on the show, we're going to talk about it on the uh, postmortem show on our Patreon page. When this music is done playing, we keep on talking. And then we put it all together. It's about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of uh, more jabber from us. And we call that the postmortem show. Patreon.com slash Bob Show. Also, Bob Or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo, the all new logo for 2021 at Bob Okay, that's it. Also, uh, David Ferguson can be found at astralsummer.bandcamp.com. Don't forget, buy all of his music over there. It's wonderful stuff. Looking forward oh, to I gotta promote. Time. Speaking yes. of promoting, I'm gonna be on Corona Kitchen tonight. Oh yes, Debriana Mancini. Yeah, exciting. Yes, I'm gonna I am gonna be making a a bitter orange tart in honor of our former president. <laughs> yeah, and you can find the Corona Kitchen on Facebook. I think that's the best way to uh, to listen and watch. It's it's a video show, and Debriana is amazing. Uh, live from New Mexico and uh, I think it's just search for Corona Kitchen on Facebook and you'll uh, find your way there. What time are you doing it? Is it and it's because it's live. What time does it start? 5.30 Eastern. 5.30 Eastern. Well, there you go. That's going to be Maybe, a lot of fun. We may be logging in at 5.30 and starting at 6. So check their website. They'll okay. have all the information. Perfect. And Jody Hamilton can be found at from-the-bunker.com. There's a brand new show this week, in fact. Also, sexyliberal.com. And on the Stephanie Miller Show every Tuesday at uh, stephaniemiller.com. Also on Free Speech TV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Check your local listings for airtimes. <laughs> no idea what that means. Okay. Uh, that's it. We All- made it. Yes, we made it. We absolutely, we absolutely made it. Uh, no more Donald Trump to worry about as far as the the daily insults, the daily torture of his Twitter feed. You know, I, I said it for my uh, banter column, but it bears repeating. We The fight to save democracy is over. The fight to keep it is now underway. Yes. And that I can't underscore that enough. We got to work our asses off, man, because those zombies are pounding on the door and they want back in. And we can't we can't let them. Mm-hmm. Take care folks. We'll see you on the postmortem show and the after party tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye.
One last thing here. We're so grateful that vaccinations for COVID-19 are underway. Unfortunately, while there's light at the end of the tunnel, infection rates and hospitalizations are at an all-time high across the country. In California, some hospitals are turning away patients or threatening to ration care. While we're nearing the finish line for this brutal pandemic, getting there means staying safe. For the foreseeable future, only respirator face masks provide real protection from transmission. Unfortunately, the huge demand and limited supply of respirators means we are flooded with fakes and counterfeits that do almost nothing. Well, right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized KN95 respirator masks with anti-fraud labeling on every single package that can be verified right on the manufacturer's website. They're tested in the United States by the NPPTL and provide the most significant level of protection. Their respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free. Go to TheNewDealShop.com now and get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized N95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's TheNewDealShop.com. TheNewDealShop.com. Go now. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 